Good morning to Sri Radha Kalachanji Dam, to all the assembled devotees, to those that are listening on the air, those that will listen later on, and those that are able to see it. Hopefully. This is Monday, April 22nd, and we're continuing to read from the 12th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And it is regarding Markandeya's prayer to Narayana Risi. Jaya Rajamadhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Rajamadhava Kunja Bihari Aya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yashura Nandana Braja Jararanjanan Yashura Nandana Braja Jararanjanan Yamunatira Vanachari Yamunatira Vanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jaya Radha Kala Chanji, Radha Kala Chanji, Radhe. 
See, so we are reading, and yes, you're right, Sam, it says the 21st, but it is the 22nd. And we are reading, again, from Canto 12, Chapter 8, text right now. Text 14, Chapter 8. And this is regarding... This is about Mark and Dea's prayer to, again, Narayana Risi. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Now, text 14, we just have enough room to put that on the board, but we're going to go some extra text, so you don't have to repeat after um, after 14. Tashevam yujatas chitam maha yojana yogana Vyaya Mahakalo Manvatara Sat Atmakam Tashevam Yujantas Chitam Mahayojana Yogana Vyatiya Mahakalo Manvantara Sat Atmakam Tashevam Yujatas Chitam Mahayojana Yogana Vyatiya Mahakalo Manvatara Sat Atmakam now, word for word, tasya, he, evam, thus, yunjanta, while fixing, chitam, his mind, mahayojana, by powerful practice of yoga, yogana, the mystic sage, vyartya, passed by mahan, a great kala, Period of time, Manu Antara, lifetimes of Manu, Sat, six, Atmaka, consisting of, 
the translation here, is while the mystic sage thus concentrated his mind by powerful yoga practice, the tremendous period of six lifetimes of Manu passed by. Text 15. Itat purandaro ginyatva samtamesmen filantare tapo visankito brahman arebitad vigatanam itat this parandara lord indra ginatva learning saptame in the seventh asmen this kila indeed antare reign of manu Tapaha of the austerities, Vishankita, becoming fearful. Brahman, O Brahmana, Sanaka. Arabe, he set into motion. Tat, of that austerity. Vigatanam, obstruction. The translation here is O Brahmana. During the seventh reign of Manu, the current age, Lord Indra came to know of Markandeya's austerities and became fearful of his growing mystic potency. Thus, he tried to impede the sages and we'll go on to text 16. Gandharva Vapsarasa Kaman Vasanta Malaya Nilo Munaye Prishayam Asa Rajastoka Mado Tata. And word for word, Gandharva Apsarasa. The celestial singers and dancing girls, Kamam, Cupid, Vasanta, the spring season, Malaya, Anilo, and the refreshing breeze from the Malaya hills, Munaye, to the sage, Rishayam Asa. He sent Rajatoka, the child of passion, greed, Mado, and intoxication, tata also. Translation here. To ruin the sage's spiritual practice, Lord Indra sent Cupid, beautiful celestial singers, dancing girls, the season of spring, and the sandalwood scented breeze from the Malaya Heals, along with greed and intoxication personified. And lastly, text 17. Tave tarasra mam jagmur, himadre paswa utare, pushpabadra nadi yatra, chitrakia chasilo vibo, te, they, they indeed, tat of Markandearisi. Asramam, to the hermitage. Jagma, 
went. Himaadre, of the Himalaya mountains. Parswe, to the side. Utare, on the north. Pushpabhadra Nadi, the Pushpabhadra River. Yatra, where? Chitra Akya, named Chitra. Cha, and Shila, the peak. Vibo, O powerful Sanaka. And the translation here is O most powerful Sanaka. They went to Markandeya's hermitage on the northern side of the Himalaya mountains where the Pushpabhadra River passes by the famous peak Chitra. Nama om Vishnu Padaya, Vishnu Padaya Bhujala, Shimati Bhakti Tata Swamiti, Namane Namaste, Shabbat Prabhupada, Sriyatmane, Shri Guru Karuna, Shakti Bhakti Tata Swamiti, Namane Namaste, Shabbat Prabhupada, Sriyatmane, Shri Guru Karuna, Shakti Bhakti Tata Swamiti. So continuing with discussing this remarkable sage's activities and his potency, in the beginning of chapter 8, it mentions that he did a remarkable thing. He lived through a night and a day of Brahma. And my memory serves me correctly. Hmm. I'm remembering billion, 320 million. Uh, let me get my facts straight because now I may be a billion off, probably, but a day of Rama is four billion three hundred twenty million years. Now, he lived through the night of Brahma also. And the night of Brahma is when annihilation takes place. And actually, it was unheard of for a sage of his stature. Of course, he was a remarkable one. To live through destruction. And it goes on to tell us what he was doing while the night of Brahma was taking place. But it goes on even further. And as if it isn't news to us, most of us are familiar with Lord Indra. And Lord Indra appears to have an occasional problem with envy. Um, this isn't the first time, and the one picture on the wall that reminds me of Lord Indra's issues with envy is the lifting of Govardhan Hill. And that is when the residents no longer uh, needed to worship or do rituals 
for Indra to bring the rain. It wasn't necessary. Lord Krishna is, Lord Krishna is more potent. He is where Indra gets his power from. So they stopped worshiping Indra and of course, Indra brought on a torrent of rain and Lord Krishna uh, lift up, lifted up Govardhan Hill and he shielded the residents from Indra. And this is an ego thing. So it tells you even the demigods can have some issues with ego. It's not a new thing. And if you pick up a paper... Turn on the radio, the news, occasionally. Most of the issues that are going on have a lot to do with ego and envy. Mine. Want more power, more this, more that. Must have what this person has. Must be worshipped. Must be treated with Respect. Well, not so much respect. It's just that thing, that desire to be recognized. And that's also another reason, uh, and it was covered in the class yesterday, it's also another reason why we're here in this material world. Our eagles are out of control, so we couldn't be like the Lord, and he gave us a planet to enjoy Of course, most of us know that there's no such thing as complete enjoyment in the material world. There is, however, the possibility of taking to Krishna consciousness and having a semblance of what it feels like to be completely happy and blissful and feeling like one should feel in the spiritual world. And that is the um, that is the benefit of the spiritual reality, the spiritual growth of an individual. When you realize that it's not all about you, it's not all about what you have comparing to someone else. When you really develop spiritual intelligence you'll understand that the greatest joy is love. And with that love, it's important to be able to share it. And as devotees, we dovetail our emotions and our desires in serving Krishna through serving his servants. And when you take this seriously, you will understand how much joy you can get from taking your eyes off of yourself and putting it on someone else and watching how much it's helping that particular individual definitely develop and grow in Krishna consciousness, in God consciousness. It's a wonderful feeling to know that you're able to serve someone And they are getting some benefit from it, as opposed to having them serve you. Because, as we notice with Indra, (laughs) no matter 
what fame he has. He never has enough, and he always wants what someone else has. But he wants to be recognized. You don't really have to go around wanting to be recognized because if you're doing what you're supposed to do, that recognition will come to you automatically. You don't have to hanker for it. You don't have to desire it. Just like happiness and distress, we don't schedule to have happiness and distress. It comes and it goes. And it comes and it goes. It's temporary. But with spiritual bliss, it lasts so much longer. And in the process of spiritual bliss, and in in this particular situation, serving someone else, the feelings last a lot longer. And you carry over what benefits you're getting from serving someone else And it carries over to the next life and to the next one and to the next one. You never lose that. But if you ever notice that when someone is envious of someone else, it changes their whole physical demeanor. Really, you can look into the face of an envious person and to put it mildly, it changes the beauty of their face. It loses its beauty. Of course, we know there's nothing to be gained by envy. And getting back so that we don't get too far off track here with uh, chapter, with text 14 and chapter 8. What has happened is that Mark and Dearese is becoming more and more potent. He is, he is remarkable. He is worshiping the Lord constantly. He has focused his attention completely on serving the Lord. And because he's doing it from the heart, well, because he's doing it because he wants to do it, not because he wants to gain anything from it, He's getting reciprocation from the Lord. He's getting more potency. He's able to do so many things to the point that Indra has developed some envy. So he has sent Cupid. He has sent Cupid, uh, the Gandharvas, the um, dancers. This is a perfect mixture for problems for the average individual. What he's done is he's sending beautiful singers, dancing girls, and the season of spring, which is, I believe we are in spring right now. The season of spring, there's something very enlivening about the spring before summer comes. It's like everything is awake and everything is new. And then with the fragrance of sandalwood, perfect recipe for nonsense for the average individual. And along with that, he sends greed and intoxication, personified. But Andrew does not realize that he is wasting his time in trying to tempt Markandeya 
And it will go on to explain why he's wasting his time. But just to give a, a brief, up-to-date, up-to-the-minute um, thought, as individuals and as devotees, it is sometimes very difficult to feel that we are the servant of someone, to serve someone. So it sometimes takes us our whole life to be able to release that energy of envy, of jealousy of the other person. But as you grow in Krishna consciousness, you'll understand some of the best times that one has is when one is serving the Lord. Sometimes we're serving in such a state of ecstasy that we're actually worn out and we don't realize it. And I'm saying that to say that's how blissful it can be to serve someone else. And that's a very positive way of using our energy as opposed to being envious of someone. Because when you're envious, in a way, it's a, it's a duality. We are supposed to be seeing, I'm saying duality because we're supposed to be seeing each other as ourselves. We're supposed to be seeing each other as part and parcel of each other and as a bigger picture, part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So how can you be envious of your family member? How can you be envious of someone that's a part of you? There's no room for it. But you'll find in the scriptures as you're reading the Srimad Bhagavatam and as you're reading the, uh, the other scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, there is a lesson in the scriptures. It's not, they're not just stories of, of pastimes. They've actually taken place. But in a sense, it's giving us an example of a lesson of sometimes what to do, sometimes what not to do. But then if we've lived long enough, we will find that being resentful or envious of someone really has no place in the world of spirituality or love. There's a section in, and I wanted to cover this because it goes a little bit into detail, in the Bhagavad Gita on um, envy. I believe it's chapter 4, text 22. And we'll read. Yes. There. Here we are. And it's the chapter of transcendental knowledge, chapter four. Yadrichalaba Santushto Dwan Dwaitas Vimatasara Samasadwa Asidocha. He who is satisfied, and this is just overall covering envy, he who is satisfied with gain which comes of his own accord, who is free from duality and does not envy, who is steady in both success and failure, is never entangled, although performing actions, 
A Krishna conscious person does not make much endeavor even to maintain his body. He is satisfied with gains which are obtained of their own accord. He neither bakes nor borrows, but he labors honestly as far as is his power and is satisfied with whatever is obtained by his own honest labor. He is therefore independent in his livelihood. He does not accept engagement in anyone's service if it might hamper his own service in Krishna consciousness. And that's a good point, too. If you have a particular service and you're really good at it, it's kind of unnecessary to try to stretch and take over someone else's service. It's almost like a competition. Of course, there is competition in the spiritual world, but in the material world, it can create a problem. And besides, we don't need to be competitive with each other. We are as good as our last performance with ourselves, not with each other. Going on. Again, he does not accept engagement in anyone's service if it might hamper his own service in Krishna consciousness. However, for the service of the Lord, he can participate in any kind of action without being disturbed by the duality of the material world. A Krishna conscious person is above duality because he does not hesitate to act in any way for the satisfaction of Krishna. Therefore, he is steady both in success and in failure. These signs are visible when one is fully in transcendental knowledge. The key, one of the key sentences or statements here is, a Krishna conscious person is above duality because he does not hesitate to act in any way for the satisfaction of Krishna. So that's a very good yardstick to measure our behavior with. If what we're doing is for the satisfaction of Krishna, then chances are it's a good act that we're performing. If that act or our behavior does not satisfy Krishna, then we need to step back and reevaluate it. We need to constantly reevaluate where we are from day to day. Most people do it annually. When the new year comes in, it's like, what did I do this past year? What can I change? But as a devotee, we should constantly be putting the mirror up to our face, Hare Krishna. We should be putting the mirror up to our face and looking to see what improvements that we've made since the last time we really looked at ourselves. There should be a change, and there should be a change for positive. We should not be staying the same. With my Guru Dave, his statement and his yardstick for measurement for his disciples or for us was that whenever we saw him, Whatever we were doing, whatever our endeavors were, whatever our behavior was, whatever our goals were, they should be changing constantly for the better. We should not be staying the same. The world doesn't stay the same. Things are constantly changing. They're growing. They're dying. But as individuals, we are 
on a different level. We should be growing constantly. And if we're not, we should, again, step back and see what it is we need to change. What the scriptures, there are instructions on how to live your life from day to day. How to live your life from day to day, from birth, childhood, adolescence, adults, middle age, seniors, right up to death's door, and then beyond that. So there is for a devotee no excuse as far as having improper behavior and certainly not the need for envy because when you are envious, it means that you don't want someone to most times be better or do better. But in Krishna consciousness, how could we not be happy for someone who is growing in Krishna consciousness? This is something that we celebrate. This is something that we encourage. We elevate that individual. Because most times, and it being a proper individual, a proper devotee, if we are having challenges and one devotee is progressing quicker than the other, that devotee is usually of the mindset to turn around and reach back and grab you and help pull you along. So we should always be happy. We should be encouraging growth, performance, as such as Mark and Deus, but I don't know of any personalities that are like Mark and Dea in this day and age. But the point is, we should, we should be encouraging each other. It feels so much better when you're lifting someone up. And it feels horrible when your heart is so down that you are envying someone else. Something is lacking in one's life when one is envious. And it is not something that cannot be corrected. Everything can be corrected, pretty much. But getting back to chapter 8, we're at the point again where Mark and Dea's behavior and his mystical potency has attracted Indra, and Indra has become jealous. And as I said earlier, it isn't unusual for Indra. That's kind of Indra's behavior. I know there are more incidents where Indra has been of the mood of envy. But as I said, the one that reaches, that uh, talks to me immediately is when Krishna had to lift up Govardhan Hill because of Indra's jealousy. So, One thing that we should get from this is we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves when we're envious. It's a human, it's a tendency, but it's one that is very unattractive for a devotee. It is one that is very unbecoming for one that is desiring spiritual consciousness. And it is also one that 
we should step away from and look at the object of our envy because chances are that person's doing something that we probably should be doing. And again, as I said, we should encourage each other, not be jealous or envious of each other. This chapter will go on further to discuss these events that followed. So I would be taking away from it. So at this point, we'll end. Uh, let's see, do we want to go back? No, I think that uh, the last... Yeah, the last translation pretty much pulls it together as far as what we discussed. And we're at the point where Indra is trying to test Mark and Dea's strength as far as um, his weaknesses. So we'll end at this point, but we'll also know that those... As devotees, those devotees understand that even in our day-to-day lives, yes, it is very easy to be tempted to be envious of someone, but that probably indicates that you're not in the right association, you're not in the right mindset. It further encourages the process of Krishna consciousness, which is chanting, reading, hearing from learned elders or gurus, and having good association. When you have the, when you're practicing those things, there is no room to be envious or jealous of anyone. Absolutely No room whatsoever. So it gets back to the basics, and it's repeated over and over again, and you will find me doing it from time to time. Chant. Read Srila Prabhupada's books. Read them. Even if we're reading from the scriptures today, it doesn't hurt to go back and read again because chances are you're going to pick up something that really didn't connect with you earlier, but you go over it again, and it's like you have that aha moment. I got it. Read the books of Srila Prabhupada's disciples, the bona fide scholars, the leaders. Always remember that you are a product of your association, whatever it is. Chanting is very potent. Reading is. And as we had a... a, a senior disciple here yesterday, take advantage of it when you know that a spiritual master is coming in, a senior, learned disciple is going to be available. Take advantage of those moments and learn from them and hear from them and ask questions. Because you'll find that if you keep that regimen of reading hearing, chanting, association. It makes the path to 
devotional service to the Lord a lot easier. It's a lot easier to stay on the path, and it's a lot easier to have the possibility of going back home, back to Godhead, and not having to take another body. We should be so fortunate. But any comments, any questions? Um, Anyone? Yes, Sam. What did you what did you say again? No matter where you are, what will happen? There's a very good chance that at the time of death, if you are able through all that confusion that death brings to be able to think about Krishna at that time, there's a very good possibility that you could go back to Krishna where there is no birth, no death, no old age, and no disease. It's a very good possibility. It doesn't necessarily guarantee them a home if a person is Krishna conscious. You can be Krishna conscious and you can make mistakes all along the way if you're not sincere. You have to be absolutely sincere and focused and devoted to that path. And it's up to Krishna to decide as to whether or not, oh, I think this devotee may need to take another birth or I think this devotee is ready to come back. That's Actually, that is all in Krishna's hands. But you have a very good chance by following that path. Do you have to be in India to be homeless and to be Krishna conscious? No. You can be in any country. You can be in any country. And and, and sometimes you can be homeless, but you can also be Krishna conscious. I don't know, Sam. I don't know of any homeless people in America that chant a million rounds. But I know that anyone, whether they're homeless or not, if they're chanting, they have a very good chance of getting back to the supreme world. Because on that path, if you stay on the path, there's so much that goes on in the process of devotional service. But chanting, association, reading, hearing helps, whether you're homeless or not. And it, and it makes a difference as to whether or not you're serious. If you just do it one day, nah, you do it consistently, yes, you have a better chance of it. Thank you, Sam, for asking that. Okay, um, so we'll end at this point. Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai, Srila Prabhupada Kijai, Gaur Pamananda Jai.